Hi, uh, welcome to Astrology with Christina and Sally. Um, I'm Christina Rodenbeck. My website is The Oxford Astrologer, and I'm here with my friend Sally Kirkman. Actually, I'm Hello. not. I'm not here with my friend. I'm zooming with my friend Sally Kirkman, whose website is sallykirkman.com. Um, and we get together once a month, as you probably know already, just to talk through the astrology of the upcoming month. And usually we agree. Sometimes we have disagreements. Not always. <laughs> well, rarely we have disagreements, but we're going to try and find one this month because of this Mars situation. Okay. Um, but first of all, let's let's talk about last month. How was it for you, Sally? Um, well, it was quite a good month on the whole. I mean, you know, the big theme was Mercury retrograde, and um, that was it. I did find that a bit chaotic because I think a lot of people did um, planets of communication in retreat. And one of the funniest things I thought for me was that on the first day that Mercury turned retrograde, I got called by the wrong name twice on social media. <laughs> It was just kind of odd. That's not who I am. <laughs> oh, so your name is there, Sally Kirkman. I know, it was a bit Letters. strange. A bit yeah. strange. Anyway, I just thought that was quite quite amusing. Um, but I did my usual Mercury retrograde thing and went on retreat. I took myself off for a week, which was just fantastic. It was a spatially distanced retreat, but it was absolutely lovely mm. nonetheless and just so nice to kind of you know be in nature and stop for a bit take time out i think it's i think you know we need to do this every mercury retrograde <laughs> stop get off the wheel of real life for a bit and do something completely different so yeah, yeah. it's good on older yeah and presumably that was back to actually seeing people as well like real yes. people yes so isn't that weird it was kind of a retreat there were 20 of us on the retreat actually so even though it's called a retreat, I felt like I was retreating back into connection with others as well. Yeah. So this kind of theme of retreat and returns was, was sort of the other way around because of the situation we're in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really, really helped me then come back out into this weird world that we live in. <laughs> it felt more normal in the retreat, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did not the similar thing, but actually thinking about the Mercury retrograde, I did go down to France. This has been my first opportunity to go see my very ill dad. Mm. Um, and I took the train because I'm trying not to fly. So I had two very long train journeys from Oxford to Carcassonne, which is in southwest France. So it's across the continent, really. Yeah. And that was during the Mercury retrograde. And it was slightly, it was slightly going back in time, of course, you know, the train journey back in time and then forward in time. And I have to, I was listening, I, you know, I'm very into these audiobooks, and I listened to Remembrance of Things Past on the train journey, which is the Proust's thing, um, which, and those things combined were very Mercury retrograde in Cancer, which is a sign of, family of course so i kind of really enjoyed that actually i enjoyed that that journeying backwards mm. um, and Prince has got a, a very cancerian chart hasn't he? he's a sun cancer but hasn't he got other planets in cancer as well yeah i think he's got jupiter and mercury in cancer it's all in the fourth house mm. he's got neptune rising which is interesting mm. um the other thing of course last month was those eclipses you know so there were things it did feel like a very nice 
you know, I was very glad that that eclipse season is finished because it was difficult, I felt. Yeah. yeah, same. It was very, there was dramatic, dramatic things happening in a way. Yeah. yeah. Ups and downs, endings, upsets. Um, not easy. Not yeah. easy. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of people will probably be glad to see the back of all of that. Yeah, I was trying to, I, you know, I had a few kind of administrative things to sort out because the other part of my, the reason I have to go see my dad is because I'm official, his official tutel in France. Mm-hmm. I look after the, his finances basically. And um, to cut a very long story short, I had to send some quite sharp emails and I got anxious about this because I thought, I know that this is Mercury retrograde in Cancer and Mars in Aries. So those two are squaring each other. So I thought, I really need to be very, very careful about how I'm writing these things, not to overstep, not to go too far. Yeah. And um, actually, I found that it was fine in the end. Cause I, I, then I saw these people when I went down. Um, but it was like sending off like a bullet, you know, mm-hmm. um, a bullet by email as well, or a bullet you know, by email. Mercury communicating Mars's yeah. bullet. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it was also, um, it was important to sort of polish it and get it right. Yeah. You know, With, yeah. Um, which is something I think, I mean, this is kind of, this theme continues, doesn't it? This being careful what you say, mm. how you say it, mm. uh, you know, with Mars in Aries wanting to be on the attack, leap in. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, kill. <laughs> we'll get back to that theme in yeah. a minute. But okay. let's just quickly, before we get to the month ahead, which is, let's just get it out there. We're talking about Mars in Aries stuff a lot this month um let's talk about leo's because leo month yes um and uh you know it's the hottest month of the year in many parts of the northern hemisphere um we you know and the sun is at its you know most powerful and uh leo is ruled by the sun of course Mm. Um, it's it's a wonderful sign, Leo, but you can get burnt by it. You can, but I think, you know, I think it's just a welcome change, actually. The sun moving into a fire sign. Um, you know, it's been quite, feels like we've sort of been dragging our feet a bit. So there's more fire and heat mm. and vitality coming. And you can feel that in the world of people, you know, many countries kind of getting back out there and wanting to, engage with life um and sun and you know sun and leo it's there's all i always think of it as kind of playful and colorful you know it puts fun back on the you know fun well it's interesting that this gender that the sun and leo is always at that time of year when most people are on holiday right yeah. most people yeah. take their summer holidays it's the summer yeah. holidays and that's the feeling it is a summer holiday mm. at its best that's leo is this playful at its worst, of course, it's Nero, isn't it? Um, but um, at its best, Leo is this playful sign. Uh, and I, we were talking about famously, as and of course, James Corden came up, who yeah. is a fantastic example, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is. 
well, he, does that, he does the classic Leo thing, which is making other people shine. Yeah. Carpool yeah. karaoke thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, that is such an embodiment of Leo, um, that whole scenario, because it's just feel good. I mean, I love them. I love watching his carpool karaoke. You know, he gets someone else. And he's got quite a good voice too, but he gets real. I mean, and all the stars want to be in the car with him because he does. You know, it's a fantastic way of sort of showcasing them. And he's got a great them. voice. I mean, he's he has a great voice. voice. Not only that, he has to practice those songs, mm. get the tunes right, yeah, hit it just right. Yeah. Like he's really, really professional about it, actually. A lot of effort must go, and it looks effortless, right? There's this little car, there's this big guy in a small car with this other person. It's all sort of semi-casual. Mm. But I'm sure that he preps for those a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a really lovely showing of, of Leo. And I think that is one of the things about, you know, the sun is in its sign of rulership in Leo and the sun is the center of the universe. Everything else orbits around it. So as a Leo, that's, you know, that's what you need. You need to find your place, your center stage where you can help other people shine, but also, you know, just be part, the leader in a way of a community. You might be, it might be in your family or your community, your church or in your business, but somewhere that's what Leos do well. Others revolve around them as they kind of, hold court or hold center stage. Yeah. But I think that Leo can go really badly wrong when they think that they have to be the center of attention. I, I think mm-hmm. that actually what they do wonderfully is this James Corden thing of kind of being the center of attention, but actually he mm-hmm. gives the other person the, the stage mm-hmm. by do, by being so professional himself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that when Leo's, you know, the, what they do is they shine you know, yeah. they give the they give the light out. Yeah. Um, it's interesting also uh, that uh, about J.K. Rowling. We we're just talking about the controversy around here, her. Yeah, um, Leo, as is Harry Potter. But <laughs> she got she not only did she has she written these books, but she's given created this whole industry, the Harry Potter industry, the Harry Potter movies, etc., yeah. which have given a lot of other people a chance to shine. So she's she's a creative person who has allowed other creative people to be creative mm-hmm. and generate. It's a, it's a self-generating power that the Leos have. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's having a lot of controversy right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're thinking it's the Uranus across the MC for Leo's Leo's son. Yeah. And we'll be talking kind of about this when we look at the, there's a full moon coming up, which, and Uranus is a key player in it. Um, mm. Uranus in Leo's public sector. So yeah. there is this, you know, for, for, for Leo's, there is this theme of controversy, actually. Yeah. And, and seeing that, you know, there's, because um, I was just looking in for Leo's before we did the podcast, and, uh, you know, Kate Beckinsale, the actress, I thought this was quite interesting, who's, she's 46, and she's going out with a 23-year-old. You know, and of course, in this situation, she gets a lot of flack. Um, People kind of, you know, saying that's wrong, it shouldn't be allowed. Whereas her ex-partner, Michael Sheen, who's actually an Aquarius, they were Leo Aquarius partnership. Um, He's 50, or I think he's just turned, but at 50, he got together with a 25-year-old who then got pregnant and has a baby. And that's kind of fine, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> so Kate Beckinsale is the one, you're not allowed to do this, go out with someone younger. Double um, standards. Double standards a little. Hmm. Um, just a bit. And it's interesting that I, I have come across quite a few Leo Aquarius couples. They seem mm-hmm. to, mm. does actually work surprisingly well. Yeah, I think um, so. It's one of the, not all opposite couples work that well, but there's a, the Leo Aquarius one. The Taurus Scorpio can work quite well too. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that certain other oppositions can end up being too opposed, if you know what I mean. I don't know many Virgo Pisces, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we leap into the month ahead? Mm-hmm or leap in uh so i mean the the big theme is still this mars and aries isn't it it is it is i mean mars in aries, mars is in aries forever actually i know i know but we got to talk we have to talk about it because it, it's mars has gone, been going gangbusters in yeah. july so frankly some of you may have found yourselves in some kind of dispute in some kind of controversy there's it mars has been totally on attack mode so yeah. i hope that you haven't found yourself a the victim of a, an attack of some kind or you may have been witnessing one which uh, i think that we mm-hmm. can i'm trying to think of one in the news but witnessing an attack or witnessing the taking someone being taken down uh you may have found yourself getting really angry yeah you know that's i you know aries rising i found yeah. myself getting angry and really wanting to kind of lash out but not doing it you know thinking okay mars in aries rein this in this isn't wise so it, it works both ways doesn't it absolutely well you may be fine that's what i was saying about writing these letters you know i having yep. to think wait a second you know i need to be very careful and diplomatic yeah um and you know write them and then hold on to them and then read them the next day yeah. um which is my you know mercury retrograde advice anyway but um mercury yeah. direct now of course but this mars and aries because you can set, deliver a bullet that's too strong can't you it's too much and also i do want to say that there is another mercury mars square yeah on 27th of july so you know this is as mercury i mean mercury has been square mars all july yeah and basically basically and but there's another real intense shot of energy on the 27th of july so that would be a date for everyone actually to kind of be a little bit careful what you say or or do it's not a time to kind of leap in attack or defend maybe you know just be careful there's this sense of division going on i think which is Um, exacerbated by that uranus and taurus isn't it yes which i mean is is very much part of the full moon which we can talk about i mean one thing i just want to say you know i think for aries this mars can be great you know my aries ascendant has been really excited and energetic and you know i've been wanting to get fit i've been i've started fasting again um so you know there's this for certain signs mars in aries will just give you a whoosh of energy so it's not all kind of daggers and anger and <laughs> well you know, it's, it's it's the libidinous energy isn't it it's that it's the vitality and life energy yeah but actually that, incredibly useful and what i would say to anyone is be careful what you say because of the square to Mercury. 
Um, but actually use that energy to do, you know, to do stuff, to act, to focus, to cut things out, to get to the point. And I think focus is the key word with the Mars and Aries. Mm-hmm. If you can focus on something wherever it is in your chart, you know, so um, I was going to say for, for Librans, of course, it's on relationships, it's on another person, um, you know, but it may be coming at you, I think, for Librans. Yeah. But, you know, for for other signs, like, say, for, I don't know, uh, Sagittarius, Mars and Aries is incredibly uh, productive and creative if you can get that energy flowing. Mm-hmm. It's like all those creative projects that have been stacked up on, you know, that you haven't got around to doing, you can, you can start cutting through them with this energy. Mm-hmm. Or you can just decide to have a really good time if you're Sagittarius. I know Sagittarius is taking the whole of August off just to kind of play, have fun, not work. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's what notice what you want to focus or channel it on. But it's, it's great for being kind of single-minded and mm. determined and making things happen and fast. Or like for Leo, you might want to do a, do a, a very fast course at something or to travel somewhere very quickly. Yeah, last minute, spontaneously, actually, if, you know, if things are opening up, that would be great for Leo with Mars in Aries. Yeah, do um, it quickly. I mean, and also the the caution with this, I would say, is do this as fast, you know, do it now, do it at the beginning of, at the end of July, this travel, because Mars will start ha- having these oppositions, not, sorry, opposition squares yes, yeah. in early uh, early August. So there's going to be stumbling blocks coming up. Yeah, because Mars does clash with all the planets in Capricorn, Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn. So the 4th, the 13th, and then the 24th of August, which is actually after um, this podcast date. But yeah, there's these clashes going on. And that's, you know, that's, there's going to be conflict, isn't there? There's going to be disagreement with that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, 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 um, in a way, though, this Mars and Aries is somewhat can be somewhat overexcited or go too fast. And what these squares may do is put the brakes on things a little bit, you know, and that actually may be quite necessary and useful. Mm. A pause for, you know, maybe not a pause exactly for thought because Mars is still direct, still in Aries, still steaming through, but at least someone saying i noticed that the first square that mars does to those planets in capricorn is to pallas athena who is uh you know the asteroid pallas athena but pallas athena is the the um strategic advisor to mars and aries um so if you've been hurtling ahead with a plan and someone from the side says hey actually let's just have a little stop and think about this you should pay attention to that Mm. You might actually get some pretty good advice as well. Yeah. And I think it's interesting for Capricorn, all of this, because it may be as these planets move through Capricorn, it may be that you're the person who needs to, you know, slow someone down or, or give out the good advice. And I'm thinking in particular with Mars in Aries, this is around home, family, um, people close by. Yeah. Mm. And interesting also for Cancerians, don't you think? Yes, very. I, I don't think it's that easy for Cancerians, the, these clashes, personally, because, I mean, Mars is in your career sector, where you are out in the public eye. 
um, and the planets in Capricorn in your opposite sign. Yeah. So that feels to me like kind of aggro at work, office politics, you know, difficulties actually. Um, and you, I think with Cancerans, you need to be really careful that you don't let other people try and take charge, control you, call the shots too much. I mean, I think it's quite tricky for Cancerian. I think that one thing Cancers can look forward to, though, is this the entry of Venus into Cancer on the 7th of August. Absolutely. And that's helpful. Yeah. Um, so that's what, you know, if you w- can wait till then, that's when you really are, you know, you have all the power of Venus on your side. What is that? That is diplomacy charm. Good looks. Uh, but you have those already, right, Cancer? Um, but, you know, you've got all that charm on your side. And that is the way to win friends and influence people, essentially, is to use the Venus. Yeah. Um, and not succumb. You know, you may feel quite you could be being quite browbeaten by that Mars and Aries. Mm. Um, plus those other planets in Capricorn, you've got a lot of um, energy that's pushing against you if you're a Cancerian. Mm. So yeah. you waiting until that moment when you get Venus into your sign again, it's helpful. Yeah. And I'd say don't fight fire with fire. Absolutely not. For cancer, don't you know rise to that. If someone attacks you, don't rise to it and do the Venus in Cancer thing once that's there on the seventh. You know, and and be charming, kind of you know, be diplomatic, kind of get rid of the fire, sort of calm the fire down if you can. Yeah, kill them with love, kill them with kindness, Cancer. Kindness and love. I mean, kindness and love, and that you know that Venus in Cancer is going to be very nice for Capricorns too. Um, Because that falls in your, the love planet in your relationship sector. So a lovely time to indulge in romance, you know. And ditto for um, Scorpio also. Ditto for Scorpio, yeah. Um, You know, I think that's always, it's a nice placement, you know, for holidays and travel and, you know, for... um, Pisces, it's... I mean, do we want to take a look at this full moon? Yeah, we definitely do. It's a powerful full moon, isn't it? On August the 3rd, um, the moon in Aquarius opposing the sun in Leo and almost exactly square to Uranus in Taurus. And Uranus does turn retrograde this month on the 15th. So it's kind of stationary. It's at 10 degrees Taurus really throughout August. It's stationary. So it's very intense. Um, You know, and as we were talking a little bit in the intro about Leos. For Leos, you can already see there's a lot of controversy around. You know, you've got Uranus in your public sector. Uranus, Uranus is, I think of it, it's kind of rebellious, but it's controversial very often. It's kind of things coming at you out the blue. Um, Very kind of wild energy. Yeah, I mean, the other thing with Uranus on the MC like that for Leos is, you know, it's... I've seen it be very good, actually, Uranus on the MC. It's like a change of career direction or sudden, a, a sudden opportunities, you know. Um, so something may come for out of the blue for Leo, uh, a career opportunity in sometime, you know, in August, especially in early August. Yeah. And you should catch that, you know, because yeah. it is, it, it, you know, especially around this full moon. Mm. Um 
and again, you know, for Aquarians, again, it's, it's like maybe a sudden opportunity, but it wouldn't be around career so much as something like at home. Yeah, it could be a home move, couldn't it? It yeah. could be a chance to move somewhere better. Yeah. Or it may be a need to move on from somewhere, but that full moon would be a good time to do so. I mean, this is the thing with Uranus. It is, you know, it's the very kind of, it's highs and lows, I often think, with Uranus. It brings things in, it takes things away. So it's kind of, you know, this quick energy. Hmm. Similar in a way to Mars in Aries, it's quick, fast. I mean, there's, it's quite fast and furious this month, I think. So it's important to to take advantage of opportunities that come along, to be prepared to kind of, move quickly see the signs and then move yeah and see them as the opportunities that they are things may seem slightly it may be hard to recognize an opportunity i think um when it turns up this is i'm just looking at the um jupiter next jupiter uh neptune sextile and the fact that neptune is pretty much sextiling all that stuff in capricorn this gives the Capricorn planets a little bit more flow and juice, I think, than they mm-hmm. might otherwise have. Um, but it also can make things a little bit harder to work out. Um, it's a very creative sextile. I, I, I quite like it, you know, that, that this ongoing sextile between Neptune and Jupiter. Yeah, it's exact on the 27th of July. Um, I mean, I find, you know, that's it. I find it quite hard to get my head around that. I wonder whether as a Pisces, you kind of have more of a feel for it with the, the Neptune in your star sign. Well, um, I think that's one of the reasons I think it's very creative. And I think it's this practical creativity. Yeah. You know, it's actually making, it's using your imagination mm-hmm. to make something uh, actually real happen. Mm. You know, so it's actually writing the book or it's actually creating the, you know, uh, um, the uh, geothermal system in your garden, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really having this idea that could work in the real world. Yeah. And what I find really interesting about it, I'm very interested in Jupiter and Capricorn because it's supposedly in a bad place, but I think it's probably quite good having Jupiter and Capricorn. Um, but the, at this tour of jupiter through capricorn is very squeezed um you know it's distilled energy it's mm-hmm. squeezed you know around this pluto and saturn so you have this sense of constriction but massive creativity coming through the constriction mm-hmm. and a lot of the you know uh creative people that i'm talking to in particular are having quite a fantastic time i've had a uh, an incredible time during the lockdown doing something very small, but very in depth. Mm. Um, I have just thinking of my friend who has, was born with this uh, Saturn and uh, Jupiter conjunction in Capricorn and is a Pisces. And she has, one of the things she's done during the lockdown is she's created this photographic series of you know crazy setups that she's done at home but they have been and they're probably some of the best things that she's ever done Hmm. and they're in they're kind of in miniature i'll send you some they're crazy but they're very very good Hmm. um and i think that is this is this distillation process and i think it's very you know it depends where it falls in your chart yeah um yeah, because I mean, Jupiter, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn, 
I, I have, it's really extraordinary with Capricorns. They've either gone all out this, this year for, you know, almost world domination. I know some are doing extremely well. And I know others that there's been this complete change. Um, you know, things, it's almost, it's almost like, I suppose because of the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that runs throughout the year, they're either stepping into power or they're being wiped out by power in some way. It feels very extreme with what's happening with that Jupiter. Mm. Um, so maybe the Neptune is going to kind of bring something new in to help um, contain it in some way. Uh, well, no, I, I, I think it may, I think it just makes it more excessive. I mean, I think that Jupiter and Neptune together do magnify each other. They make them each other even more so. Mm. Um, so the thing that contains this is the Pluto Saturn, you know, in Capricorn. Um, so, so that's what I mean about this distillation process. It's something very, very large being squeezed into a small space. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking about some Virgos I've been talking to who have been in lockdown en famille, you know, with their children, um, which has been, it's like the family has been in a crucible. That's, that's more that, you know, the idea of the crucible is this place which gets very hot, you know, mm. but you come out with gold, don't you? Mm. Um, and I think that that's happened for Virgos as well. You know, if you have, if you've been in lockdown with the family, but on the one hand, but if you've been in lockdown alone, that sense of kind of terror of solitude has been magnified. Mm. And it can be very, again, it can be very creative. Mm. Um, so where were we? We were talking about this, um, well, the full moon. Yeah, or the full moon on the third. Yeah. Uh, which feels very powerful. Yeah, um, I think so. With the square, the Uranus. This, I, I do actually just on this, you know, full moon, one of the people I did want to talk about who we didn't was Princess Beatrice. Um, you know, Leo being the royal sign. And obviously she's just got married in secret. Um, and they're saying it's all because of COVID. They were meant to get married in May. Um, but actually I think it's, you know, the, <laughs> the secret is more to do with daddy, um, Prince Andrew. And, and also... I... Pisces he's represented by that Neptune in Pisces at the moment he is and um you know I did notice that the full moon on August the 3rd falls right across Beatrice's ascendant descendants I wouldn't be surprised if something happens around that date to do with her and the her daddy it's interesting actually just talking you're saying what's that Jupiter Neptune thing the other thing that Neptune is about is scandal of course scandals yes, yes, yes. and this these are scandals in the um establishment okay right so we've had we're having i mean we're having scandals in the establishment all the time but there's nothing more establishment than the royal family i would expect that one to bubble out again you know at, and this horrible Ghislaine maxwell um you know the ghastly ghastly Ghislaine, her uh, you know, she, she will be arraigned. She's been arraigned, hasn't she? Mm. She presumably, I don't know when that starts to go to court. But that that story is, uh, you know, that is a big, big story. Mm. Waiting yeah. to come out. It might not come out till Jupiter turns direct, but it's a big, 
big scandal and it can bring down a lot of people. Mm. I yeah. think. Well, let's see what happens on that on yeah. that moon. I mean, I think the other thing we need to, you know, one of the other things we need to talk about, because we're heading towards also the new moon on August the 19th yeah. um, in Leo. And I'm quite, you know, I was looking at that new moon and it's, it's at late degrees in Leo, conjunct Mercury, which shows how quickly Mercury is now yeah. picking up speed. I mean, it's out of its shadow phase at the end of July, moves into Leo on the 5th, and actually it moves out of Leo by the 20th. So it whizzes through Leo, but kind of makes this conjunction um, with the new moon on the 19th. And I kind of like that energy mm. of the new moon. I think it's very zippy. It's very kind of great for connections. Um, I'm thinking particularly for Gemini, third house, you know, Mercury being your ruling planet. It's fantastic new moon for getting things started, making the right connections for writing. Um, it just feels like things could happen and fast that get you out there. Yeah. The other thing about the new moon, that new moon is it just highlights these. Um, uh, first of all, it makes an exact quincunx to Saturn in Capricorn yeah. and it's just two is two degrees from making a trine to the Mars. So there's something can shift with that new moon. It's like there's a, sh- a shift happens when you have a queen conks. Um, a door might open up even. Um, it w- might be through words. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the news around then, around, uh, you know, the summer months are traditionally a time when the government and stuff try and they try and sneak stuff past us, don't they? Well, yeah, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I for me, a, a quincunx is a blind spot. Yeah. And there's the, a lot of quincunxes running up to that new moon. They really start on the 11th. There's this unusual number of quincunxes um, between the sun and Mercury and Leo um, and the slow-moving planets. But they're kind of over on the new moon. So the new moon sort of does maybe bring things, you know, it does make create this shift or bring things to light. Yeah. I um, wonder you know, what is happening under the, under the radar in August while we're all, you know, cause it's, it's an interesting energy, isn't it? Cause there's this quincunx, there's this series of quincunxes. And at the same time, just after that series of squares from Mars. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would, I would think that there is big stuff being shifted mm. that we might not, but that might not be visible. Mm. Um, and that, you know, we're, we, we, we stop basically this podcast. We obviously stop. It's, we're talking about Leo month, but um, you know, things will shift a lot when things, when the sun moves into Virgo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is on the 22nd of August. Yeah. Hmm. But I do like, I mean, I do like, you know, I like the new moon on the 19th for kind of um, getting things started mm. because, and also because the the new moon in Cancer, uh, which is kind of happening on the 20th of July, so just before this podcast, directly opposite Saturn, it kind of feels like an ending rather than a new beginning. Oh, completely. And- I completely agree. It's It's an ending uh new moon isn't it that the yeah. one it's actually today 
yeah um, when we're making the podcast that's right um so this you know the new moon on august the 19th feels like the time to be putting stuff out there i mean i you know i know someone launching a a huge project on um across radio and in the media on that date which i think is a really good time to be doing that to get seen as it's in leo um actually it's um sagittarius so that's ninth house isn't it which is good for yeah it's um, very good and i would suggest that you launch it then and expect to have to do stuff you know when mars goes retrograde you're going to run into maybe not difficulties but you have the chance to edit things and revise them and make them better to sharpen things up to re-strategize, I was yeah. thinking Mars retrograde, which happens on September the 9th. So again, yeah. that's going to be next month. But Mars is still going full tilt, really, pretty much through August, through yeah. this section of August that we're talking about, even though it keeps on getting these squares, mm-hmm. the Capricorn. I think it's quite, you know, it could be quite an interesting month for Scorpio, actually, um, because, you know, the, the new moon energy in Leo is career sector vocation sector and mars is in aries work sector so that's a lot of fiery energy of fiery power lighting up scorpio's career and vocational sector um and work so you know it's it's always interesting isn't it because um august is traditionally i suppose what we think of as holiday month but i always think that scorpio shouldn't be on holiday in august they should be going out in the world and they should be making things happen it's never a holiday month for Scorpio. They should always be the person in the office cunningly getting ahead while everybody else is in Marbella. Well, take note. <laughs> take note, Scorpio. That's me. Uh, and a, but I have to say, especially so this year, because not only do you, it's the Mars and the Sun, but there's also your you know, ruling planet, a uh, modern ruling planet, which is Pluto, is making this conjunction to Saturn the whole time. So yeah. you're hard at work. Yeah. You, know, you need to keep on pushing. Yes, that's what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Scorpio. That, that Sally is a Scorpio, in case you didn't know. Um, head down, head down. Get head to down. it. Things <laughs> um, happen. Meanwhile, I'm going to go swan off and do, I'm taking the month off, actually, completely. Mm. Well, I'm taking the month off social media because, um, well, for various reasons, but because it's kind of, I, I um, I'm trying to avoid any controversy. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, Christina has Leo rising, so she really needs to <laughs> go and hide somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to go hide my light under a bushel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah plan for August. Mm. It's, yeah, um, I think it's interesting for all, you know, all the fixed signs as well. It's, I mean, it feels like it's going to be a big month for Taurus. Um, I don't know if, if we've talked about Taurus much, but of course, with Uranus turning retrograde in your sign, I wonder if there's going to be some kind of um, shift or an about turn. Mm. I, you know, love, I mean, I think, I hope that, you're, that Taurians are enjoying this Uranus mm. in Taurus. Um, you know, because it is an opportunity to, to change yourself. Yeah. You know, you can stop being a gardener and become a, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a very Tory anchor. You know, you can stop being a gardener, become a builder. You know, it's a time for to change your identity. You can stop being single and get married. You can stop being 
um, you know, you can become a, start being a, you know, you can become a grandparent. It's a real big change in identity that's happening for Taurians over these years that um, Uranus is in Taurus. Of course, this is most, uh, Uranus is stationing on your sun if you were born around the 1st of May. Um, yeah. So for you, this is really a very intense time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know some Taurians who aren't actually kind of choosing to, to take a step back, whether it's been, you know, forced upon them or external circumstances have caused it, but to really to take a step back. And I think for Taurus, actually opposite to Scorpio, this is a good time to, to take a step back, um, you know, focus more on come, come to life through what gives you joy or, um, you know, where you find the, the sort of play and freedom. Um, I, I suspect that could be a big theme for some Taurians as well with what's taking place this month. It's about liberation. Liberation, yeah. Uh, you know, for, for Taurus, it's, this is the planet of liberation is, you know, unshackling you from whatever chains have been holding you back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously we're talking about a very slow moving map planet. So, you know, it's not just this month, this is this year, but that planet uh, is right on the crosshairs of that um, full moon on the, th- the 3rd of August. Mm. Mm. So it's very activated. And then it's, and it's stationing, which means it's standing still. And when, you, when a planet stands still, it has more power for those few weeks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's very intense, to, maybe a very intense time for Taurus and an intense time of, like I was saying, of liberation, of feeling this freedom, of feeling the air beneath your wings. Mm. Um, I like it a lot. I think it's wonderful. And ditto actually for Scorpios, you know, that maybe your relationships may have been very stuck. Mm. Now you may feel that, that there's a lightness coming to them or well, a change. Yeah. I, I think it's a similar theme for Aquarius, actually, as well. Mm. You know, Uranus being your co-ruler and the full moon taking place in Aquarius. Again, it feels very pivotal for mm. you. And, you know, with Uranus, you do need to kind of, you do need to to break free. You do need liberation in your life. So it's what are you kind of breaking free from? What do you, where in life do you need more space? more freedom literally actually for aquarius well literally they may move house i mean that's yeah. like that it's like i'm gonna move countries that's it forget it i'm moving to spain yeah um or greece or where would you you know actually um where would you imagine an aquarian up a mountain maybe i don't know but it is a definitely a, a, a fantastic for making that kind of big life decision about where you want to live on the planet mm. Yeah, Brighton, um, Aquarius City. That's what sprang to mind, actually. I think that's a very Aquarian city, Brighton. Brighton, yeah. Um, it is kind of Aquarius. It's diversity and, you know, there's a there's a great feel to to Brighton. Where I'm heading later, actually, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> by the by. Um, I think, how are we doing? Um, I think, because we, we went, we did a really long podcast last month i think i think we've said what we have to say pretty much i do Um, which is the full moon on um third of august very pivotal Mm. uh new moon on 19th of august good for starting some things but you may have a blind spot yeah um so i would say 
I always say this about new moons actually, which is don't start on the new moon. That's actually the dark of the moon. Um, start the day after, you know, mm. Um, yeah, that's I I I like the new moon energy as well. I know it's darker the moon, but I actually like the power of the the actual point of the new moon. Do you? Yeah, so maybe that's where we need to uh, agree to disagree a little bit. Yeah, no, because I, I, I'm just <laughs> thinking about the. Um, I always have. I've been watching. I, I, you know, there's this there's energy, this decrease of energy coming up to those few days coming up to the new moon, then mm-hmm. the big sleep. Yeah, which I literally had retreat, last night. It? It's another time to retreat and rest. Traditionally, yeah. the run up to the new moon, and and then the new moon, and then I see. Yeah, no, I would say the day after, or, or even a couple of days after. Mm, no, I'm, I, 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 maybe this. I don't know. Maybe it's a Scorpio thing. Things knowing that that's what's happening, even yeah. though you can see it. For me, it feels like a real PowerPoint. The time of the new moon. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and of course, Mars in Aries forever. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, use it well, use it well, get, I don't know, go up a mountain or something. But don't, don't be careful of the sort of flip side of Mars in Aries, which is the angry lashing outside. Um, and yeah, stay back from that. Yeah. Use it, use it sort of, I don't know, physically or courageously and in the good way. Yeah. I'm just thinking that for Gemini's, you know, that's a real, that Mars in Aries energy is really in your kind of uh, groups mm. you know and organizations there may be issues with sort of friendship groups for gemini's mm. uh so it's lucky that you have um you know venus in your sign up until the 7th of august haven't you yep um so you know use the charm use the charm mm. wiggle your way out of it you know and actually maybe uh, I was noticing that one of our dear Gemini colleagues has been doing a great job um, dealing with this whole Ophiuchus thing um, and actually finding the really great words and the right words to um, knock that on the head. Or Ophiuchus, as I like to call it, the 13th oh, really? sign. Yeah, that's been controversial, hasn't it? Within astrology, it's raised its head again. Uh, yes, Ignore right. it. Ignore it, everybody. The zodiac's equally divided into 12 parts. Don't let NASA tell you otherwise. You're not a different sign. Just wheel that out every now and again. Yeah, yeah. to distract us from real astrology. Yeah. <laughs> we'll set you back on track. Don't worry. All right, my dear. Shall we um, wrap up and say yeah. goodbye? Yeah. Okay. Well, bye. See you next month. See you next month. Have fun. Bye. I'm here with my friend and colleague. Hilary Spiteri, who um, is a Maltese astrologer practicing in Italy, and you are a traditional astrologer. Um, and we're here partly because of the Queer Astrology Conference, who, uh, which happened on the 12th of July, but all of the lectures and talks are available um, for the next few weeks, I think. You know, and there's a lot of very interesting talks there. 
Um, not least the board, the panel discussion that you were on, Hillary. Um, but actually, we've only got a little segment here, and we've been talking a lot this morning. We decided that we were going to focus in, right? Try. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the uses of myth in astrology yeah. or the unuses of myth yeah. in astrology. Because just to put this in a wider context, because one of the questions that's always asked of a traditional astrologers is how do you deal with the binary nature of traditional astrology? Yeah. Um, and how would you deal with that then, Heather? You, you don't really think see it like that, do you? No. Um, mm, well, I don't use myths, so let's start with that. Um, mm, um, because I think myths have been told by the culture that won the war. On, on, on. So, if we're going to use only myths, the uh, I mean the predominant myths, there won't be enough for to have gender equality. We want that, but um, I'm I won't go into there because I I. I didn't study myths a lot. I mean, I don't use them. But for what they say about traditional astrology that is very patriarchal, um, I say, well, it isn't. Because if you really study all the nuisances um, that there is in describing a planet in traditional astrology, there's so many factors that queerness becomes part of the... Um, part of every day um, there's such a huge spectrum of describing any kind of planet that it it it, it it's impossible to say it is black and white mm. or or it, yin it, and nuanced uh, yeah the, the, there's the, a lot there's the, a lot the nuances of a, of a planet can take you from you know from from right to left from black to white from you know green to red <laughs> Up and down and going sideways and backwards and two steps and lateral and one and a half step that way. It's so, there's so many factors to, to put in describing a planet that, well, it's, it's very fluid if you want, we want to use the, the word that it's being used today. So I think the accusation um, comes from people that haven't really been studying the philosophy behind um, uh, traditional astrology. You can't mm, practice traditional astrology if you don't understand and really keep on studying the philosophy behind it because it's completely different from the modern world. It's um, the modern- what, do you think, what do you think the effect of modern astrology has been on gender uh, on the way we think of gender, and I'm talking about modern, say, 20th century astrology, 20, you know, into the 21st century. Um, Do you think it made these uh, models more more rigid? I think modern astrology is the time is the child of its time, mm-hmm. and so um, taking astrology as being only for example, psych- psychological has been one, 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 one area, right? And astrology encompasses so many things. And in, in traditional astrology, you didn't need psychology 
because it was part and parcel. It's the cosmos, and you have a soul in the cosmos. There's an anima mundi, and uh, it, the dichotomy of putting things in boxes and and the creation of psychology has is a fruit of science. If you look holistically as a person, you don't need psychology. You know that there is a soul and soul has its own sickness. Yeah. You're also, I mean, you're also holistic. Um, you study medicine. Yeah. Um, so you have a holistic view of, of, of the human being, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and that's the, it, so it's, that's the philosophy that you're talking about is this idea that we are, you know, our body and our soul are one thing you know, are one, are one thing. And this is what we're trying to heal and what we're trying to make flourish. Um, And one of the things that has happened with modern science, I guess, is this separation is this parsing out of things, you know, everything gets cut up into little bits. So you have someone who's a psychologist, you have a psychiatrist, you have a medical doctor, you, you know, you have the GP, you have your astrologer, you have your therapist, you have your, uh, whatever so you, so all the specialisms um have their uses definitely but what you're trying to but you're talking about this idea that actually we need to be remembering that we're complex and nuanced and not only that is that it's not a question only of uniting again the wholeness of the human being is uniting the human being again with the cosmos yeah what science and industrial revolution has done, and that was the demis even of traditional astrology, they have coincided when astrology was thrown out of the academical circles. No, no medical, no, um, that, that time MDs started practicing medicine without knowing astrology because it was part and parcel of the philosophy. Mm. Excluding saying that human beings are the only um, people, species that have soul, has taken out the soul out of the cosmos. So what happened is that we have become masters of the whole universe that we can do with it as we deem correct. And and so we can plunder it and and not take care of it. Whereas uh, in in the philosophy that gave birth to traditional astrology in Mesopotamia and then in the Middle East, what, what we call Western astrology, it's actually a Middle Eastern astrology, is that m- m- human species is part of a of a huge cosmos that is alive. That is sentient. It's not only a human being that has a soul and a reason. And then we took off even the soul from from the hum, from humans. So what what have what what are we then? What? Yeah, That's where the malaise comes. Hmm. Um, this is a, a hermetic tradition. Really, is part of you know. This is where this comes from. Yeah. The hermetic tradition. This idea of the world soul. Um, and just to make this even, we've gone absolutely much wider, you know, but even wider, we could talk about, so we have the cosmos has a soul uh, and the earth has a soul. Yes. Um, and we are, uh, we've been divided from this. 
and what astrology because i you know traditional astrology or non-traditional astrology what astrology can do among its many beautiful things about astrology is reconnect us to the earth soul there are there are phases that gaia the earth has its own uh, evolution mm-hmm. and we are part and parcel of it and we, if we don't take care of it the earth will simply chuck us out yeah um, shrug us off won't it yeah yes um it's interesting we're doing this uh, recording during the pandemic of course or the yeah. during a, a lower phase of the pandemic yeah. i would say um, and you're in France, I'm in France and you are in Italy. Yeah. And we've just been through this big upheaval and I'm sure it will continue. I don't think that we're finished yet. Okay. Um, do you, and would you say this is an expression of the world? You know, this, how, how are you seeing this pandemic as a, and not just the pandemic, because it, it came, it's come in the middle of the climate crisis, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, um, I, I think that we're going in, we're in change of eras um, from the great conjunctions and the Jupiter and Saturn conjunction, the next one in December, it's going to be in air, the final that brings us to the air triplicity. So we will eventually have more um, um, things that have to do with air. So air is even logic, but it's also any disease that is transmitted via air, which are not only viruses and plagues or whatever, but even anything Mm. that is transmitted via air. So even electromagnetic, smog, and whatever, anything that has to do with air. So taking that aside, if there is an imbalance the earth will always try to balance it. So let's take a look at farming. It has become intensive. There's no respect. That causes depletion um, of not only the quality of, of, of farming, of the animals that we eventually eat, but even of the soil. So there is a degradation on, on many levels. Um, we are living in a society that we are kept sick, not dead, but not healthy. And the holistic way of looking at life and including medicine is I keep you healthy. And if keeping you healthy is um, eating good food, having good soil, um, having your intestines that work well, your immune system that works well, um, then you are less prone to diseases. I'm not saying that diseases will simply disappear. Diseases are part of the world. We die. What, what's something I've seen in the pandemic, something um, uh, that our modern society doesn't accept, death. Yes, I think this was very evident before the pandemic as well. Yes, but all of a sudden, because we are on the news people are counting people that are dead and we don't enter in the controversy how they are being counted but let's say they're being counted all of a sudden oh my goodness this virus is a killer Hmm. and but we do die Hmm. 
we, as we are born, we do die. And with all due respect to people that have suffered, but we, um, it, it, disease is part of our life. We have to live with it. Do you think that might be turn out to be, well, we'll see how it turns out. But I think that I wonder myself whether that's going to be one of the things about the COVID pandemic is actually learning to live with this uh, and change our behavior uh, to, to live with this rather than waiting for a vaccine, which seems to be a very long term uh, or uh, very one pointed plan. Let's put it like that. Yeah. But what does that mean? Social distancing, putting masks and, taking out the human being, the, 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 even taking out what has left, what has been left of the human beingness out of being human. That's what going back as, okay, we know there is a disease. It's a new disease. We're understanding it. That's what's, what science does. That's what medicine does. We, that's what all human beings does. We have a problem. We try and solve it and we live with it. I mean, that's part of our life. So we have various doctors and health practitioners that they're saying we can do this that and the other why not doing it mm. why why there's there's not one bell science is not religion do what you think is best what works for you for your own body everyone has a body that changes with the seasons of the earth and the age and with the world as well it, it what worked for when we were 20 doesn't work when we're 40 when we're 60 and when we're 80 doesn't mm. So just to bring this back to nuance and um, uh, and queerness, we should probably say something about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was the idea. That, that was, was the idea. idea. That's where we started off. It just went very big. So let's get really small again. And let's focus, go Mercury. <laughs> uh, focus in just to bring it back to that. Um, I think that what we're saying, what you're saying, is that uh, traditional astrology. Uh, has you know shows us complexity, yeah, and that that is the beauty of it is to understand that it's incredibly complex, and that's why it's hard. It's it, difficult. It's not easy to study. It's no. not easy to understand. No, it 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 takes time. It takes time to not only read it and understand it. It's not only understanding it with the intellect, but understanding it with the heart. And that's where wisdom starts. Mm. Wisdom is not intellect. Wisdom is something that you, you perceive and you feel. And it comes natural then to you. And you start looking at the world differently. Mm. I agree with that. And on that note, I think that's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having me. <laughs>